Lord, you are all we need. You are our portion. You are our healer. We believe it. Help us to have faith like Jairus. Help us to have faith like the woman with the issue of blood. Help us to have faith like Moses at the Red Sea. Help us to have faith like Elijah and Elisha as the Jordan River was opened up. Help us to have faith that moves mountains just like Jesus said. Help our unbelief, Lord, that you are our healer. You are our portion. You are our strength, our deliverer, our redeemer, our sanctifier, and so much more. For, let, for those of us that have fallen asleep a little bit, wake us up today. Wake us up to who you really are. As we look in for the third week into the Beatitudes, help us to realize who you are and what you are doing by giving these Beatitudes to us. Help us to become like those people that you talk about, people that are persecuted for righteousness' sake, that rejoice and jump for joy because we follow after you. Lord, today, let us help, help us to get you out of a box and realize that nothing, absolutely nothing, is impossible for you. So wake us up, shake us up today, and bring us back to our first love, Jesus Christ. And may you be glorified, Father, our Father who art in heaven, holy, holy, Holy is your name. Amen and amen. You may be seated, everyone. Oh, okay. Wow, I forgot to turn it on. <laughs> I had it on mute. Um, Okay. You know, I was, for those online, you're listening to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. Since you're watching us online, you either got there by divine providence or you intended to go there. This is Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe. Our website is freedomchurchpb, stands for palmbeach.org. And uh, while you're on our website, check out our location, which is 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida, just a quarter mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo Road on the north side of the road. And you can look at our past services. You can see the ministries we have. You can um, watch past services from years back. You can even give online. So um, there's a give button there somewhere. And and, um, you know, you could even give. We're, we don't practice preaching money. We never took an offering in this church for 10 years. That's how old we are, believe it or not. From the house that we met in till now, it's like 10 years. And we've been in this location for eight and a half years. We outlived four landlords. <laughs> four landlords. So praise God, you know what? And a couple of them tried to get us out of here, and God just shut them down. Awesome. Awesome. So we're here because of divine providence. He wants us here. You know what? Uh, 
For those online, we thank you for tuning in. Tune in next Sunday at 10 a.m. and bring your family to listen. We don't have a, you know, we, we, I'm not an eloquent speaker, but I'll tell you what, we preach the Word of God, and it isn't eloquence. It's heartfelt desire to serve God and to know Him. So come on, tune in, um, or next week, if, or come in if you're local. Um, also, men, if you're local, we have a Bible study on, on Sunday, Saturday morning at 9 a.m. goes to about 10.30. We ask questions. We research uh, different uh, things. Jim is teaching, you know, uh, for the last several weeks. And he is a, he is a, um, uh, what do we call that, Jim? Who? Uh, goofball. <laughs> goofball. <laughs> hey, we have fun here. You know, Jim's a... Uh, what do they call it? Uh, you know, you're a <laughs> Huh? He's a Bible preacher, teacher, and he's good. He he knows his stuff. So praise the Lord. Anyway, I'm gonna seek I'm gonna seek that word. A chaplain. There it is. Chaplain. <laughs> okay, told you I wasn't an eloquent speaker. Neither was Moses. So praise God. You know what? Um today, for those online, we are the third session in the Beatitudes, of the nine Beatitudes of, of Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to continue there today. Um, Theron has some papers for any of you that are, haven't been here the last couple weeks. He's got some papers of the Beatitudes. I took the liberty of, of writing these Beatitudes uh, down on a piece of paper. It's a two-page uh, two piece of paper. I'm going to review the first six, and then I'm going to go into six, seven, eight, and nine, ninth beatitude. Okay, and the, you know, don't don't get alarmed that Joe goes, Pastor Joe goes back and preaches about the first six beatitudes. You know what? You learn by review, review, review. And if you don't review it, you know what? If you don't review, you know. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. If you don't review that, over the years that pass, you will eventually forget part of it or mess it up when you quote it or lose the address to that message. You have to remember to review. That's why you don't read the Bible once. You keep on reading it. It is the directions for your life and for my life. So... Um, I'm going to go through and just review, and I'm going to hit the p some points on the first six uh, Beatitudes here, okay? Um, I thank you that Matt actually sang a song. It's actually the last two Beatitudes, I think, that we have here today, you know, uh, about being persecuted for righteousness' sake. You know what? If you're a Christian and everybody knows it around you, you are being persecuted by somebody. Maybe they don't show it off to you, but they're, you know, behind your back, they say, oh, he's a Jesus freaker, he's a holy ruler, you know, so what? Jesus is talking about, you know, as we're going to find out as we move along, he said, jump and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. You don't have to be martyred, you know, with a bow and arrow or an axe or a sword, you just have to be serving Jesus and you will be persecuted, that's all there is to it. And we're going to find out by the last uh, beatitude that we looked at that America is in bad trouble and big trouble I should say because we have lost our first love the church 
And that, yeah, that even goes for, you know, the ones who started this country. You know, they are, we are in bad strait. We have come, we have deteriorated in our faith. And that's why I prayed earlier, give us the faith of Jairus, whose daughter was dead. And God, you know, you know people came over and told Jairus, forget it, forget it, she's dead. Nothing is impossible for God. So he went there and they laughed at him. They laughed at him. But all he did was go up to her and whisper in her ear, my little lamb, I say, arise. And there she was, opened her eyes up. The woman with the issue of blood, just let me touch the fringe of his garment. And yes, I did look that Greek word up. The word for in, in Greek for fringe it has a certain word. It's talking about the fringe, not just the hem, the fringe. And the fringe has like five tassels that hang from, from his, his uh, robe. And actually it says she touched the tassel because the Greek word points to the tassel. She was, couldn't even get close enough to get to the hem. The tassel's about that long if I remember right. She couldn't even touch the hem. She just touched the hem, the, uh, the tassel. She had faith that moves mountains. She had faith that took Jesus or God out of a little shoebox and put him wide open to the world. She knew that she was healed. She would be healed. And as soon as she touched his garment, she knew it. Sometimes when God heals you, no matter what it be, cancer or whatever, you know, you know it. You know that he touched you. Let's wake up. Let's come alive again for the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody called me this week and said, do you do deliverance? I've gone from all these churches, and even the churches, she lives in this area. She do you do deliverance? I said, yes, we do. She said, finally, I found a church that believes in deliverance. Wow. Come on, take Jesus out of the shoebox. Let me explain something before we get into the Beatitudes. The first period of time from Adam and Eve up until God instituted the law is a period of about 16 or 1700 years. Most scholars will tell you that. You think, well, because, because uh, Methuselah lived 969 years, um, there, you, know, you add all those years together, this one lived 500 and that, you come out with thousands. No, no, they overlapped. They overlapped. Methuselah was dead when the flood came. It's a period of uh, about 1,700 years. And you know what? During that period, the Lord God operated by grace and mercy. He didn't kill Cain because he killed Abel. He put a mark on him so nobody would kill him. That's called grace. That's called mercy. Okay, but the children of Israel got so bad that God Himself had to do something about it. So, gee, you know, so He had Moses institute the law so that they wouldn't go out and commit adultery, or they wouldn't worship idols like the people that they were going to get into the promised land were worshiping idols and sacrificing children, their children, to false gods. So God operated. His, his true nature is mercy and grace. He instituted the law. If you're a school teacher, you know what I'm talking about. If a student gets out of hand, you tell him to go sit in the corner. 
And that's what God did. He put, a, he put the children of Israel in a corner. You, there are consequences if you don't obey. Now, once the law was instituted, okay, a period of about 2,100 years passed. 2,100, that includes the 400 and some years between the intertestament periods. 2,000 years. So we have 1,700 years of grace. We have 2,000 years of, of law, the law of death. You either obey or there's a consequence. Once Jesus showed up 2,023 years ago, okay, 2,023 years ago approximately, God was instituting grace back and mercy. You didn't have to sacrifice a lamb anymore. God is your lamb. He's the lamb of God who took take away the sins of the world. So until now, which is our present age, and we don't know how long this is going to go for until the, the rapture or the second coming, when at the rapture when we're taken out of here, we don't know how long. It could be another thousand years. It might be three minutes from now. I hope it is. So, there was 2,000 years of, of you're going to be, you're going to receive consequences for your sin. And there were about three or 3,700 years of grace and mercy. But well, we live in the time of grace and mercy. Jesus instituted the New Testament, and now we live in grace. That's why people say, the God of the Old Testament, it looks so different from Jesus. But you forgot that he, his original nature is grace and mercy. You got hung up on the bloodshed in the Second Kings and First Kings and First Chronicles and Second Chronicles. You got lost in that bloodbath that was going on. Because, and that only went on because they wouldn't listen. And when they went into the promised land, they, they were told to wipe out all these people. But they didn't do it. And God told them to wipe it out, wipe them out, because they were going to bring their customs into the Jewish, into the Hebrew faith. And they would sacrifice their children to idols. They would worship idols. And you know that that's what happened. So there were consequences for all of that. God told them to wipe them out, just like you would tell your children, don't hang with that person, I don't like them. They're bad for you. They're, I, can, I can see the drugs in them. I can, I can see that they're demonic in a way. You know, don't hang with that person. God was telling them, don't hang with these guys. They will lead you into idol worship, and you yourselves will sacrifice your children to false gods. And that's exactly what they did. And God wanted to wipe them all out and start all over with a clean nation that followed the laws of God, the Ten Commandments and the 603 more that are attached to them in the Old Testament. So wake up, church, and get to know your God. He loves you. I prayed it earlier in the first part of this service. He has all these sheep that believe in him, that love him with all their heart. He left the 99 to go get you, to go get you. That's how much he loved you. He put the other sheep, you would say, in danger, but he didn't. He had others watching them. Shepherds, you know, have other shepherds, under shepherds under them. 
But he didn't. He went and got you. You were ready to jump off the cliff or fall off the cliff or roll over on your back. A sheep can't get up. Once a sheep's on his back, he's done. He can't get up. Did you know that? He cannot get up unless somebody turns him over. Well, we were upside down from the laws of God, and the Lord came along and turned us right side up. And America is in big trouble. And we're gonna, I'm going to get to that towards the end of this message. So I want the church to wake up. I want me to wake up. It's not just for you. I tell you all the time, everybody gets down on the pastor for what they preach. But God had him preach it because he needs a double dose, maybe even a triple dose. You know, a message like this for the last three, I could have 30 or 40 hours in these three messages in the last. Everybody thinks the pastor sits at home and twiddles his thumb and prays all the time. No, we're working all the time. My kids think, you know, they're, I'm 73 years old. My kids think that, you know, this is the church comes first. But they forgot, it's my job. It's my job. I'm 73 years old, eight years past the quitting stage, and I'm still going. And I know other pastors that are way more than us, Charles Stanley and David Jeremiah. Other preachers, they're still preaching because I don't believe we're supposed to retire at preaching. So listen, God's original mindset or his original nature is mercy and grace. And Jesus is instituting it right here. He's instituting it. The, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, is the foundation of morality and ethics. To this entire world, foundation of morality and ethics for people to walk in. So the first beatitude, I'm going to go through real quickly in the first six. I'm going to go through it, and they're on your paper there. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. First of all, key, key word there is spirit. Blessed are the poor, Jesus did not say. He didn't say blessed are the poor that live under a bridge that can't afford their bills. He said the blessed are the poor in spirit. That puts it in the spiritual realm, and that tells you that these people were poor in the spirit, that they knew they were sinners, and they knew they needed a Savior. That is what this, par this, um, this parable is, or beatitude is all about. They're countercultural. They're upside down from the worlds we're thinking of. In short, Jesus was a revolutionary, not with guns and weapons and swords and shields, but with the words of God. He was a revolutionary. He wasn't starting a revolution. He was, this was revolutionary to the church that was going to start at this time, which would be right after he was crucified. So, James even tells us and backs this up that God has chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith. So if you're poor in spirit, you are rich in faith if you're looking to the God who saved you. That means that you know that you need a Savior. That's what these people are. Beatitude number two on your sheet. Blessed are they that mourn. For they shall be comforted, mourn. Here's, 
Here's the second. As you look at this in the Spirit, blessed are those that mourn over their sin. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I pray, I'm crying. I'm in tears. How do you even put up with me? I'm, you know, I mourn over my sin. And that's what the people today don't know. That's okay. I can go commit adultery with my neighbor next door because God will forgive me. I can go and confess that, and, you know, and I can say a couple prayers, and all of a sudden I'm, 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 it's over with. No, that's not it. Repentance means to turn away from. No. It's not talking about loss of a loved one. It's talking about repentance. You will be comforted. And as you repent, you are really, if you're doing it with a pure heart, you will be comforted. You will receive the Holy Spirit because you are mourning over your sin. In other words, you realize you're a sinner and you realize that the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life through the Savior, Jesus Christ. You will be forgiven, healed, reconciled, and a whole bunch of other things like redeemed, justified, sanctified, and even glorified when we get to the kingdom of heaven. David, I mentioned to you, went through that. After sinning with Bathsheba, he writes the 53rd Psalm, Be gracious to me, be compassionate to me, blot out my transgression. David knew the original Mercies of God. Even though he sinned like all of us, we jump back into the stinking, wretched flesh and we sin. David did the same thing. Nothing different about David than you and me. Well, you, David, killed people. Well, so did you. Because you longed for that person to die. Or you thought, I hope, I hope he, you know, if you ever thought like that, you were guilty of that sin. I told you of me, when I, I had that Vietnamese down on the ground with my M16 between his eyes in 1970. I, I didn't shoot him, but I sinned because I wanted to shoot him. Do you understand that? But God saved me from that, and I didn't do it. Praise God. Even though I wasn't a Christian, I was mean, mean, mean. I was trained to be mean. Even though I was mean, I just couldn't do it. Thank you, Lord. But David, David had Uriah murdered, as you remember. He's saying, cleanse me from my sin. You know, against you and you only have I sinned. I did this evil. He's admitting that he was evil and he did wrong. Purify me and wash me. Create, bara in Hebrew, create from nothing a new heart in me. In other words, get rid of this heart of flesh and put a heart that loves you and serves you. Beatitude number three. Blessed are, the, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Wow. The meek. Meek is not weakness, as many people think. If you're meek, you know, um, and everybody thinks you're a weakling. No, no. Just because you're weak doesn't mean you have to foul mouth everybody or say some bunch of words that you shouldn't say. Meek are people that are, have control over their tongue, are people that have, have great strength. That's who they are. Like Moses. Moses was meek. The scriptures tell us so. I think it's Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. 12.3 or 13.3. Or he said he's meeker than any man that walked on the face of the earth. But when you look at Moses, who parted the Red Sea, he was, he was powerful in faith. 
And his faith got God to do these things. Jacob was weak. He wrestled with uh, the angel of the Lord, which is a Christophany. He wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night long. He wasn't going to let him go until he blessed him. He hung in there. He was weak, but he was strong enough to hold even a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ back, only because Christ was willing to let him win, not win or to hold on, because he wanted to change his name from Jacob, the deceiver, to, or the supplanter, you could say, to Israel, which means governed by God. And I mentioned to you he was born again right there. And what we would call born again in the New Testament. He came from know, saying he knows God to knowing God. If you wrestled with God all night, do you think you'd wake up in the morning and know God? I had a split-second dream in, in, I don't know, 1977. I had a, a, a dream that was split-second, and I woke up and repented. And a couple days after that, no, the next day, the next day, because I wrestled with him only for a few minutes in my dream. Jacob wrestled with him all night. That's why he's the forefather of our faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs. They shall inherit the earth. And I mentioned last week, and this is important to know, that, that meek people left England because they were persecuted over their Christianity or their belief in God. But instead of them, they inherited a whole new continent. They were sent, they were left England and, then, and ended up in, in the United States, which was known, not known as then, but in, in America, and all these different places from Maine on down to Atlanta, I guess, or even Florida, you know. They, they were persecuted so much and they were so meek that they left avoiding any fight, and they came to America, and God gave them the whole continent. That's what happens to meek people. They inherit the earth, and we will, in the afterlife, when we get to heaven, we believers will inherit this earth. Beatitude number four, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And I mentioned last week, as those who, like, like the deer pants for brooks of water, so our soul should long for the living God. This is what it's talking about. They're hungering and thirst after righteousness. They're hungering and thirst after the righteous Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, I mentioned James and John, you would think sons of thunder. They wanted to rain fire and brimstone down on Samaria because they wouldn't receive him. Uh, but you know what? Their zeal was for righteousness. They were wrong, and they were going to go about it the wrong way, but their zeal was for the righteousness of God's kingdom to come to this earth. As you pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They were longing for that, even though they sound like they're evil. Jesus even told them, from now on I'm going to call you sons of thunder. God turned... Uh, them around, especially John. James was, was martyred, as you well know, in Acts chapter 12. John, you know, went on, you know, to write the gospel and three other books of the New Testament. 
So he became a man that hungered and thirsted for righteousness. Not the rain, fire, and brimstone anymore. He's known as the apostle of love. James. If we walk in the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, we'll walk in the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, you will also walk by the Spirit. You know that. Beatitude number five, blessed are the merciful. And by the way, I want to remind you, merciful or blessed means full of blessing, not partially blessed, full of blessing. Okay? Those who clean the inside also, not just the outside. God isn't looking for people that appear to be righteous. He's looking for people who are made righteous in their heart. And their heart affects their whole being, not just a mask that they wear, a, fa a, a facade that they put up. And if you plant mercy, you will get mercy. You know, we're quick to pronounce judgment on people, but when we need judgment, we want grace. It's time for us to give grace to those that, that we don't think deserve grace. That's what Jesus is saying here. This is revolutionary teaching to the world. And only come from the Lord Jesus Christ. The two major teachings that ever went through the world are number one, the, the Old Testament and the Beatitudes are known by so many different people. God is a God of grace. There's no double standard with God. There's no double standard like we, we have double standards in, a, in our life. Beatitude number six, blessed are the pure in heart, for there they shall see God. Listen, if you're forgiven and you're redeemed, you're sanctified, you know what? You long to see God. Just in my prayers while Matt was worshiping, leading worship, I'm there like, I want to jump on your lap, Lord. I want to kiss you all over. I wish I felt that like that every minute of every day. But I don't because this flesh, this wretched flesh, enters into my, my way. Ananias and Sapphira weren't pure in heart. They tried to deceive Peter, and tell them that they sold this portion of land and they gave it all to the poor. When they didn't do it, they kept the portion back for themselves. And they both lied to the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, why have you conceived this to lie to God? Point number three, you see the Trinity here. In other words, don't you dare, church. The church is being built up now. It's just beginning, and God's saying, you will honor the Son of the Father, you will honor the Son, and you will honor the Holy Spirit. And we need to honor the Holy Spirit here today. When He speaks to our hearts, not the sin, we need to listen to Him and not the world, or not what our flesh is saying. And, and it's a shame, because too many times, I know I myself go overboard. I wonder why I can't be in the flesh all the time. So don't 
here's an application for that beatitude, is do not focus on the outward appearance of people. Look at their inside heart as best you can. Ask God for discernment. Now, here's beatitude number seven. Those were the first six, the first two weeks of my teaching. Of course, I went in a lot deeper uh, there, but, but now the beatitude number seven. It's Matthew chapter five and verse nine. Let me read it for you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? If it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So here's parable number seven. I just read all three parables and even went deeper into Jesus' teaching about salt and light. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That tells you something. When you pursue peace, you become like God. Not that you are God, you become like Him in attributes, in your characteristics, in your nature. You will be a peacemaker. This is talking about God's peace. The peace of God. Peace that brings God, the Prince of Peace, to others. You become a peacemaker. You want the world to know Jesus because he is the Prince of Peace as you well know from Isaiah 9, 6. Back in Jesus' time, before Jesus walked the earth, um, it was virtually unheard of to be called a son of God. That's why the Jews said to him, are you the son of God? They tried to get him to admit it. And of course he did, because he was. But today, with us Christians or in churches, we have no problem with calling him a son of God or you yourself being sons and daughters of the Most High God. And if we're, we're, we're sons and daughters of the Most High God, we're going to be peacemakers. We're going to be the salt and the light of this world. And you know, you know what salt does, right? Salt heals. Salt preserves, salt purifies, salt flavors. If your food doesn't taste bad at the restaurant, or tastes bad at the restaurant, you get a little salt and pepper and put it on there. It, it flavors, it cleanses, and it soothes, soothes inflammation. Salt does a lot. These are the things that we need to bring to the world. Healing, 
Some churches don't even believe in healing. I'm going to tell you what, God can do anything. It's written in the Word of God numbers of times. All things are possible with God. All things. Now, they will never violate His Word. Never. Salt preserves. You know, back in, back in those days, you can buy, I'm Italian, so at Christmas, my mother used to buy bacala. It's a fish. They're so salted. You just taste it. It just like, tastes like salty fish. And I never liked it. But they salt things to preserve it. It can last a lot longer with, with uh, salt. And it purifies. It actually kills things that aren't supposed to be there. And, of course, salt flavors. And, and it cleanses what it's put on. Salt is important. We are the salt of the earth, and we are supposed to bring healing. We're supposed to bring flavor to this world. We're supposed to bring cleansing of, of repentance unto our God. And people that are suffering from inflammation, we can rub the salt on it and bring healing to it. And that is, we are the light of the world. If you don't have salt, or say a salt deficiency can result in weakness. And salt deficiency in America is, is, is weakening this whole nation. We're coming down on churches. People won't even come to church anymore because of the COVID thing. I mean, that was the devil's intention from the beginning. Not to just to wipe out the, the old and the, the uh, people that have problems, but a, it was meant to divide the church, divide and conquer. So now they stay home. They don't want to get dressed. They stay in their pajamas and watch TV. And they watch beautiful programs. I, I watched two of them this morning. David Jeremiah and, and Charles Stanley. They're beautiful, but you don't get exhortation. You don't get fellowship. Somebody doesn't come up to you and say, I love you, sister. Or I love you, brother. You're not getting that on TV. Charles Stanley would never say, I love you, Joe. I never even met him. I love him. One of my favorite teachers, if not the number one faces teacher. But you need to get back to church. And people think that if they don't go to church, they don't have to even give money to the church box. And all the ministries are suffering today. Our job is not to line our pockets and bank accounts, which this church would never do. Our job is to take that money and get focused on the world, however we do it, missionaries or the like, or programs or teachings to pay the rent to get, get the Word of God out there. And if, you, if you're staying at home and think you don't have to send your tithes and offerings in, you have been deceived. The devil is trying to wipe out the church, get to it, and know it right now. I don't care about them. We don't take offerings, as I mentioned. You want to give, there's boxes in the back. Been doing that for 10 years, and we have never taken an offering. And listen, I'm just saying this because it was a divide-and-conquer technique that the devil got a hold of. And we need, to, we need to show him that we're no longer going to be weak as a nation. And weak, you know, salt deficiency can result in headaches for, for you and me. You know what? It results in a big headache for the United States of America. Salt deficiency. The church is basically looks exactly like the world. We're not supposed to bring the world into the church. We're supposed to bring the church to the world. That's the job of the church. We don't become like them. 
There's never going to be, I hope, a church of alcoholics or a church of liars. There's the church of Jesus Christ, Him dead, crucified, buried, and risen. That's what it's about. Salt does a whole lot of other things. It, it, it reduces salt deficiency can cause decay. That's where America's at. I didn't meant this to be a, a, a thing on America, but while I was teaching the researching this, I'm there like, this is all happening in America. It's a result of the church not being salty enough. And we need to spruce up our walk. Salt deficiency can deteriorate the economy of America, and it's already in, 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 in works. Salt deficiency will result in irritability, too. Peacemakers should be called the sons of God in character. In character. And they'll be sons of daughters of God that will, when the, that those will be like God. They seek peace with God and man. Here's what Romans 5, 1 says. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified by faith, we have peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to capitalize on that word faith. Faith like Jairus. Faith like... Faith like the woman with the issue. I don't think. You look at Lazarus. You look at Lazarus in the grave, right? Did he have faith? Or was it the faith of his sisters, believing in what Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life? He who lives and believes in me will never die. So you might be a little weak in faith. Well, gather your brothers and sisters together and pray. The spiritual example is the Jews thought the Messiah was starting a revolt and he was here to bring peace. Why do you think he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey? When a king rides on a donkey into his city, it's a time of peace. We are peacemakers. We need to bring peace to this world. And the only way people today will receive peace, true peace, is by recognizing that God has sent the Savior and they receive the Savior as their Lord, their God, and their Deliverer. Jesus was a peacemaker. He was a revolutionary of bringing God's word to this world. You know, when Peter cut off the high priest's servant's ear in the garden when they arrested Jesus, Jesus didn't grab a sword and start fighting. He picked up the ear and put it back on a servant, and he was healed. He was a peacemaker. He didn't come to, to cause war. There's going to be division, he promised, between 
mother and daughter and father and son and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law because you're going to get saved. Your values are going to change. Your characteristics are going to change. You're going to look more like God. And, and the more you look like God, the less you look like them or the world. We bring peace to the world. But we will be persecuted. It's going to come up here in the, in the few, in the next beatitude. Beatitude number eight. It's Matthew 5.10. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Persecuted for righteousness is to be, listen to these, harassed, ostracized, neglected, wronged, tortured even, rejected, or even death persecuted. Blessed, full of blessing are they that are persecuted for righteousness sake and Jesus is our righteousness. So for his sake you've been rejected. You've been neglected. You've been kicked. You've been punched. You've been teased. You've been called names. Chances of us being martyred in America are very slim. But go to another part of the world, there's another thing coming. The promise is ours is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you are heaven bound. You are heaven bound. Those who are persecuted for Jesus' sake. So people make fun of you because you're Jesus. My own family makes fun of me. And I don't care. Luke 6.22 says, Jump and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. So I should be jumping up and down. It hurts that they reject, but I should be jumping up and down. And I do in my spirit. My flesh is unhappy with the way it's gone down. When people are raised in church, brought to Sunday school and Bible studies and missionary trips and in Christian ministries and then they turn away and walk in another direction. What is this? The world's got its grasp on them or should I say the devil has a stronghold on them. That's why a lot of churches don't do deliverance. I told the lady that called me this week, I said, she said, I figured I'll try a little church and maybe I'll find a deliverance ministry. I said, chances are when you see a little, 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 a little church, you will know that they are automatically doing deliverance or something that you know, the other churches, the bigger churches, don't want to do. I'm here not to drive you away, but to drive you to Jesus. Those online, I don't know who's out there. I hope you understand my message. It's all about Jesus Christ and crucified, dead, buried in this church and risen. The third day, according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15. What, how, how about an example? Well, Stephen, Acts chapter 7, he was stoned to death. He was the first deacon. He was, he was not just a deacon, but the, the criteria for a deacon in the Bible doesn't say that he has to be a teacher. But he was a teacher. He exceeded his calling. He was a deacon, but he preached. He, and the Bible says he was full of grace. He was full of power. 
And he even performed great signs and wonders. And what did they do to him? They stoned him to death. Because he was persecuted for righteousness' sake, for Jesus' sake. Acts chapter 12, we talked about James and John. James, the brother of John, who wrote the Gospel of John and the three little epistles, and Revelation, okay, his brother James was killed by the sword in Acts chapter 12 by Herod. He was persecuted for the righteousness sake of his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul was persecuted the same way. He used to bring the persecution, but God turned him around. He repented, didn't put on a facade. You know, he, he didn't become a hypocrite, which means wearer of a mask. He was real. And even Barnabas had to go prove that to the 12 disciples, that he was real. That this guy did repent on the road to Damascus, and he is now preaching about God. So was, you know, if you look at the churches in Revelation, there's seven of them. Six of them, six of them were, were persecuted for righteousness' sake. Paul himself was persecuted. Some, some uh, scholars believe that Paul's persecution wasn't even physical. His persecution could have been the scribes and the Pharisees that followed him around and kept a thorn in his side as he preached. How would you like to go out and preach and be heckled to death by people in the audience? That could have been, some scholars think that that, that could be his thorn in the flesh. Not just a physical thing but maybe both, maybe spiritual and, and what we're saying now, or, or maybe even physical too. They might have both. Elisha, Elijah, Jeremiah, Isaiah, they all were persecuted for God's righteousness sake. The application is you must lean on God's word. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter what your children say. It doesn't matter what your parents say. It matters what the word of God says. And that's why these Beatitudes are so important. Psalm 18, you need to focus on God's Word. That's the application for being persecuted for righteousness' sake. You need to focus on God's Word, like Psalm 18, 18, 1 and 2. He's your rock. He's your fortress. He's your deliverer. He's your stronghold. He's the horn of your salvation. You need to hold on to that. He is your strength. You might be weak in flesh. But he is your strength. And he's also your shield. So as these people come against you, you just hold up your shield, the word of God, and you extinguish the flaming missiles of the evil one. I think that's the J.B. Phillips translation of, of Ephesians 6. The last beatitude is 9. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. And we're told to rejoice in verse 12 and be exceedingly glad because great is our reward in heaven. 
Here's the meaning. Despite how dark your life might be, you can still rejoice with joy beyond belief. No matter how bad life gets, you can still rejoice. You know who our example is? Paul and Barnabas, Acts chapter 16. They were arrested, put in stocks and bonds in a lower in the lower prison, chained there, and at midnight they're singing praises to God. Praises to God. They were, they were so full of joy, I believe probably the other prisoners were, were rejoicing because none of them tried to escape after the doors were opened and the earth quaked. Listen. They had to operate by faith. They didn't know God was going to quake the earth and open up the, their stocks, and they didn't know they would open up the, the prison doors. And they certainly didn't believe that he was going to do it for the entire prison. All they knew is they were to draw, rejoice in their trials and tribulations being arrested in Philippi. So they were... Even though they were in stalks and bonds, their heart was jumping and leaping for joy. Jesus didn't tell us this. The Word of God doesn't tell us that, that, that um, this is true. Jesus actually modeled it for us. He was kicked. He was punched. He was crowned with thorns. He was spit on, slapped crucified on a cross. He didn't just say it. He did it. God demonstrated his love towards you that even while you were sinning against him or you were his enemy, he saved you if you want, if you choose to be saved. You have a choice to make. You have the choice. You can go the way of the world or you can follow Jesus and all of his righteousness that goes with it. Not, you don't automatically become righteous and everything you do is, is perfect. No, you become righteous in spirit. And your spirit man comes alive because you're a triune being, body, soul, spirit, just like God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You become like God. You become like him in spirit and in truth. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Jump and leap for joy, church. But the church comes in and we're reward-driven. You know, we're not jumping and leaping for joy. Some people do sometimes. I like to see it more often. I don't have a, a, a dancing bone in my body. <laughs> when I get to heaven, I'm hoping God will change that. I don't know. It's a little too late at 73 to go dancing, uh, you know, learn dancing. I don't know. Listen. We can know one thing. Jesus, well, God told us this, and we have this hope, which is a hope that you should have all the days of your life. For it is written, things the eye has seen, things that the ear has heard, and which have not entered into the heart of men yet, God has prepared for those who love him. 
You ask questions. Will I be able to fish in heaven? Will I be able to golf in heaven? Will, I be, will my kitty cats and doggies be in heaven? The answer is right here. Don't be surprised. Your eye hasn't seen, your ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of men all that God has prepared for you. And you don't deserve it. And neither do I. The Beatitudes are markers. Number one, Beatitudes are how the kingdom of heaven works. The kingdom of heaven operates by these Beatitudes. That's what Jesus is saying. Number two, it's not just a good idea. It's what Jesus expects from his followers. Let me say that again. It is what Jesus expects from his followers. We have found true treasure because we have met Jesus. And I like, kind of, let me put it in my words. I can picture Jesus saying, I'm so glad that we met. I'm so glad that I met him. I don't know about you. I want the world to know that. So the Beatitudes are not just a good idea. Right here, you're the light of the world. Light dispels darkness. Light illuminates. Light clarifies. It attracts. Light gives you clearer focus. Light can prevent mold. So the church is getting moldy. We need to light up again. Light even wards off depression. You know, I'm a lot happier person since I moved to Florida because where I'm from in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you get about three hours of sunlight every day between the mountains as the sun rises. Down here in Florida, I get it every day. I never even had sunglasses when I moved to Florida for 12 years. I was just soaking in the sun. And it actually took away my depression or my sad life. Light is like a magnet. I'll leave you with this. This is a magnet, and it attracts metal. But the, but the example here is, since... God's our light. You're the light of the world. And we're drawn into the light of Jesus. But as we're drawn into the light of Jesus, you know that this magnet act actually magnifies this piece of steel? That you can, you can stick something else on it. So that's an example for us today. That as you follow Jesus, who is the light of the world, that has attracted you, your light, light should be attracting others. You're magnetized by the light of Christ, and you are drawing other people to yourself. If you don't go out and preach the gospel like Paul and Peter and John and all those guys, it could be just your witness to people around you. you they will be attracted to you because there's something different about you, and they want to know about it. They may not receive it, but they want to know about it. So it's time for us church to wake up. These beatitudes are, listen, they're, they're examples of people groups. 
people groups that are pure in heart, people that are meek, people that are mourning over their sin, people that are hunger and thirsting for God's kingdom to come to this earth, people that are merciful to others instead of tearing them down, they build them up, people that are pure in heart, doing right things for right reasons, people that are peacemakers, and there are people that are persecuted for Jesus' sake. And being first falsely accused. These are people groups. When you run into these kind of people, you might just have run into a believer. Let's pray. God's original nature, remember, is mercy and grace. Father God, today we come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. Thank you for these beautiful words of our Savior and our God, Jesus, your Son. Father, we know these words came from you through our, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Help us to apply this to our life, to become like you, to be peacemakers, to be meek, to be pure in heart, to mourn over our sin to hunger and thirst for your righteousness and to be merciful to people and have a pure heart, being a peacemaker like you were, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Help us, Holy Spirit, to serve you, serve the living God. Give us what we need to be overcomers in this world through Christ who strengthens us. And to you be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. For all of you out there, you never received Christ as your Savior. You don't need a fancy prayer. You just bow your heart, not necessarily your knees, your heart, and believe, and you will be saved. I, uh, let's close with that. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling, to present us faultless before his throne, to the only wise God and Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, and for now and forevermore. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless everybody. Those online, I don't know you, or maybe I do, but I love you, and same here at the church. A love with a, a close of agape love that I can get. Amen. Amen. Hello there.